0: welcome to the marshall pruitt podcast in your week in sports cars listener q a show brought to you by justice brothers and we love ourselves some justice brothers automotive chemicals and lubricants graham before he goes to sleep each night he takes a shot of something spray something and he just goes to bed um, then wakes up all lubricated and happy Uh, cooper tires their road tires they get the big thumbs up here but also their racing tires boy mighty mighty fine products and then finally if you like motor racing memorabilia and you like buying that motor racing memorabilia from canada torontomotorsports.com t-shirts hats all of our show swag and whatever i feel lame saying the word swag is that even used i don't know but anyways it's it's, so you yes torontomotorsports.com and then finally The yin to my yang, the good to my bad, Graham Goodwin, editor of daily A man who was just in Daytona for roaring for racing and is now back home and utterly exhausted. How (laughs) are you other than we might hear some snoring during the show? How are you doing after your first visit to Daytona in a little bit?
1: Well, oh, yeah, it was first time in uh, in two years, at, uh, last time not just to Daytona, but to your fair country. Um, tired, it's been uh, one hell of a ten days, lots going on, as I'm sure we're going to get into MP, but um, it was very, very different from what we've been used to in Europe over the last two years in lots of very good ways, one or two not quite so good ways, um, and... We'll just wait and see how many people test positive now. But that aside, uh, glorious to be back in uh, a IMSA racing paddock after too long away.
0: The race certainly tested positive for awesomeness. So we can (laughs) say that no masks required there. I shouldn't be joking. I'm not joking about these things, I guess. All right. So you are, your battery is at about 3%. So we're going to do probably an hour or so for this episode. No surprise that 80% of the questions are from the Rolex 24 Daytona. We'll get to as many as we can. We still have after this, what Graham, four or five plus weeks until the next IMSA race. So we don't put out this option very often anymore. But if we don't get to your question this week and you really want it answered, send it back in when the call goes out next week. Graham's traveling. We'll try and do the show while he's traveling. Might be delayed a little bit. But regardless, got a lot of time to fill until the next IMSA race uh, slash uh, WEC round. So if we don't get to it now, not a big deal, not a huge rush. So we're going to prioritize the ones that really jump out immediately. Also got a little bit of news to cover off Graham as well. Uh I had a, a awesome email and phone exchange today that I might mention uh at some point as well. Mm-hmm. Uh so anyways, you as the official selector of the categories that we, we choose from. if you don't choose the one you should, we're gonna have serious issues. But Graham Goodwin, where are we starting <laughs> on the show?
1: Uh I think it's fair to say numerically dominance this week and for Pretty good reason. Uh, it's going to be IMSA, and uh, in the wake of, uh, in all sorts of ways, an extraordinary Rolex 24 at Daytona MP. So And, and um,
0: normally you throw the IMSA stuff at me, but this is a case where we're probably just going to trade back and forth since okay. uh, you were on the ground, I was following and doing stuff remotely. But uh, why don't I take the first one from Nikolai uh, just because it's certainly one that we have answered frequently after the Rolex 24 uh, in in past years uh, at NB Nikolai B on the good old tweeters. He says, by my rough count, Graham, we had up to six hours of safety car running this year. Will IMSA run the entire race under safety car next? Uh, He says, hashtag me personally received a few messages from people tuning in on the long safety car protocols. They're uh, probably the main barrier for IMSA to grow their audience at the moment I mean, well spotted uh, hard not to spot right if you didn't spot that aspect you probably were asleep the whole time but that's been the case uh, f- more frequently than maybe we'd like graham lots of Ooh. cautions lots of yellows imsa does not have code 60s virtual safety cars multiple safety cars any of the things that you might see at other major super long endurance races elsewhere in the world. If there's a car stopped on the track, even if it seems like it is one in a million chance of it being hit because it's so far off the line, we're going to go to a caution based on the timing of the last caution. IMSA has protocols on whether uh, it's going to be a fast yellow, quick yellow, whatever exactly they call it where they don't allow the uh, prototype and gt classes to do their pit stop cycling and such but nonetheless once you start getting to 10 12 plus cautions you know you're going to be eating up a lot of time so that's one part but secondarily and this is another component that i heard a complaint about um i don't know if we have a, a question about it specifically hidden some somewhere here but the hey the number 19 lamborghini which i think was the cause of half of all the cautions during the race by the way uh the number 19 lamborghini's issue in the final hour um boy that sure didn't seem like it It took very long to resolve and yet the cars circled around the track and around the track behind the pace car until not as nearly as much time as you would think was left for them to sprint to the finish What on earth? Why are we truly burning up green time long after the problem's been resolved? I think in that specific instance, Graham, it's just a case of IMSA not wanting the race to be decided on fuel saving and a Mm -hmm. fluky thing where, say, someone pitted just before the the final caution, not knowing it was going to be the final caution. uh, They end up going to the lead, getting the win because... Uh, some cars had to pit late, blah, blah, blah. I think what IMSA tried to do was just erase that and create a, a full charge, 100%, no fuel saving push to the checkered flag. So that's just talking about the last one. Give me your thoughts, though. And maybe you're, you're falling on Nikolai's side, and I'm not disagreeing with anything Nikolai or mm-hmm. anyone else who's complained about this has said, but the Rolex 24 does seem like if you've watched it a couple times of late, probably have to go and expecting six hours or whatever the number is of safety car to be part of the experience not saying it's the right
1: experience but it's kind of become the thing yeah yeah it has and i'll i'll sort of agree with nikolai that for many many years uh, i'd be completely in agreement with him that i do find the lengthy yellows taxing and tiresome at times but and uh, here's the kind of the epiphany, if you like, that I've come to in the last couple of years with this race, which is it is just different. It is just a different way of doing it. And it would be difficult to argue uh, with a conclusion that says it does give you a closer race for much longer, gives you far more of a chance uh, at the end of a 24-hour race in this instance. And it works as well whether or not we're 10 or 12 or 6 uh, for the other Enduros. Uh, that it does give you the opportunity for let's face it what this is all about it's about sports yes and sport has to be fair but it's also about entertainment and it would be difficult to argue that what we uh, got at the end of the relictory for was anything other than entertaining uh, so you know, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I had a fairly spirited discussion with Jeremy Shaw in the press room, um, uh, in race week about my point of view that that never that, happens
0: with Jeremy Shaw. He's no, so reserved.
1: He, a, that, that, I you know, i find not in any way opinionated. Um, but at least with Jeremy, God bless him. Jeremy will back it up with examples. That's his, his trademark. And, and God bless you, sir. I love you loads. And, um, Great to see him getting the RRDc award, the Bacon yes. award, I think, isn't it uh, this week? But um, I still think that the IMSA rule sets is significantly more suited to the longer races rather than the short races, for exactly the reason that Nikolai actually mentions there. I do wonder whether or not, as well as uh, the issues that the uh, the reasons we've already fielded, the traditional. Form of US TV, which is by the way, uh, lis- uh, listeners in the US, is fundamentally different from what uh, we see in Europe and elsewhere uh, in terms of on screen TV action, where you're getting what is it, 40, 60, 90 seconds of action before someone tries to tell you, sell you a, uh, a kind of uh, tub of noodles or attorney services. Uh, it's not like that in the UK or anywhere else across Europe or the rest of the world. But I do wonder whether or not it plays to that as well, where they're trying to burn that advertising time. Uh, it's less of a challenge uh, against the 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 norm. But I've grown to accept it. I don't quite yet love it, but it's got to be said, it did prove and uh, it did, did again serve up a very exciting blend. That it's not just about putting two cars in the mix but more than two cars in the mix and it does mean that of course those uh, that rule set means that anybody that's had uh, a problem or has been uh, you know locked up in somebody else's problem has the opportunity to get back into the mix Uh, so it's very different totally different to anything any of the other major 24 hour races around the world Uh, but I'm not going to put my hand up and say probably what I would have said three four five years ago that I really don't like it. I've sort of grown to accept it. On the odd occasion, and this was one of them, it does serve up an absolute classic to, to finish, the, finish the race.
0: Two quick things to close on this, Graham. There is the overarching point, which I don't think can be dismissed in any way, which is this is your big opening race. You open it on network television across America. The biggest audience you're going to reach possible any, at all comes at the open when it's on big NBC. And then it closes on NBC on Sunday opens and closes widest audience. Got it in between moves to cable a bit moves to TV a bit. If you're in America and, and have NBC's peacock streaming service, Uh, As I did, all 24 hours were available there. That's great. Internationally, I know that IMSA.TV had it for the first time. No Geoblocks that I can recall, which is great.
1: By by the way, did did I see someone refer to the fact that Peacock is ad-free?
0: It was. It was during this, yes. So that was phenomenal. But the point I'm making is this is the big season-launching race Might be the first time some folks are seeing this, knowing that it's on NBC for a decent amount of time uh, on Saturday and Sunday. Who knows year to year if the cautions fall during you, the time you have the biggest audience in front of you. But it is a concern, right? If every time the yellow flag appears, your audience in a short amount of time is going to groan and go oh jesus here we go because that's what it's become equated to oh my gosh please i just want to watch some racing please nobody have an issue nobody have a battery die nobody crash nobody anything because if you do it feels like i need to go do something else for the next half hour or longer again maybe shorter but I think there's something more powerful to recognize here talking about the handling of cautions can't prevent cautions from happening, right? But how they're handled, I think there has become a bit of a, a thing that's built up. Nikolai raises it perfectly. Man, you, if you're just a lover of racing and you can manage your P brakes or uh, uh, refrigerator break swiftly so you're not missing much action. That's great. Uh, but boy, if you see a yellow come out during the Rolex 24, again, I have to believe you're getting folks real lovers of this. Even newcomers, Graham, might just be kind of raising their hands in frustrations Go, damn it, here we go, okay. I'm going to go walk the dog, wash the car, shower, um, <sighs> tattoo myself, um, and a wide variety of other things and maybe when i'm done we'll be back to racing but good lord if we go back to yellow soon after the restart what else am i gonna do because it seems like dicking around behind the pace car and letting everybody on the planet go to pit lane and get their services done under caution that seems to be held to a higher priority than keeping the race as uh, green and flowing as possible so why don't we move on to uh, what do you want to choose as the next IMSA question, brother, uh, to take uh, and answer?
1: Let's get into some of the stuff to do with GTD. That's where a lot of the, uh, the entertainment came from, whether or not that was the extraordinary final uh, battle between uh, Mathieu Diamonnet and uh, Lance Venter. Uh, Spent about it was-
0: 20 minutes on the phone with Lawrence this morning, by the way, so oh, uh, I'll spin that into a, a catching up with where, wow... Wow, some really good stuff from him on what it's like uh, fighting your behind off and coming up short, like heart-wrenching stuff. By the way,
1: in a a similar kind of vein to that, now I've not had a chance to catch up with Faf, but uh, in a race that not only had the cautions, but my God, it had some penalties, I can tell you, KCMG, in their debut... Uh, in the the Tech Sports Car Championship, their debut at Daytona, not one penalty in that race, wow. which I think is pretty extraordinary. Um, so let's have a look at some of these GTD questions. Uh, we've got Adam Bowman, after seeing how mixed up the GTD classes were at Daytona, do you think Ems should try to separate the parameter cars through BOP or having the older cars use an older spec? Uh, I think what he means there is that GTD use the older car spec. Um Kevin Perez Federico, meanwhile, says, What exciting 24 hours of Daytona. He hopes that EMS uh, and leave pronoun classes the way they are now. Awesome to see Wright Motorsports mixing it up with factory backed FAF and KCMG. Hopes it can get uh, the same again. We'll come on in a moment, by the way, to a couple of questions about BMW and Corvette. But uh, how did you think that, that class splits or non split worked out?
0: wasn't as bad as i thought it was going to be in terms of we're all over one another it looks like a royal rumble cage match at all times it sure did get a little busy on again starts restarts every starts um uh, yeah but based on the conversations i had with drivers and team owners prior to the race and i'm sure you had those conversations and others did as well the fear was Oh boy. Uh it's probably going to look like a GT3 bus going around the track for 24 hours. Uh just all smashed into one another um and kind of forming this large uh anime robot maybe type thing. Didn't quite play out play out that way, but there was no lack of contact. I thought that the coming up at the wrong time uh, on a GT3 car uh, with prototypes and such made for some very interesting uh, dynamics, certainly not one that I would imagine most of the DPI or P2 drivers loved, but just from a spectating standpoint, oh, there's some hair-raising moments of, oh, you're going to throw it down into this corner last split second are they going to see you is this going to be a crash or there was just a lot more of that as you would expect from 35 gt3 based cars on the track so i loved it i i got the full big thumbs up for this keep doing it frantic harrowing you name it if we get i told Lawrence in our call like if anything i'm a little bit mad at you because what you <laughs> and, and Jamine just did you've set the bar so impossibly high for entertainment that there's, it's just every year is going to be a failure uh for now on, unless you two figure out oh, some way to resume this. But I, I love the fact that, Hey, we've seen what having two identical, but different GT classes uh can provide did appreciate to close on this, Graham, that in GTD, pro the full factory lineup in its car um Faff ended up winning obviously kcmg first time there run by our pal matt house and who does a great job uh you know factory assassins there too i did appreciate that we were not staring at a bit of a familiar uh, corvette racing pure factory win or BMW pure factory win, even though there's, we cannot by any means pretend that the Porsches that finished one and two are wholly independent from the factories. Um, I love the fact that uh, an independent type team like FAF with pro grade drivers in it uh, and, and uh, similar with KCMG were able to go to the front and uh, win and be the top two representatives in GTD Pro instead of just being the the full factory steamroller. Love that aspect. And then the second thing in GTD, oh boy, it sure looked like it was going to be nothing. It was going to be a Mercedes 1 through 6 for a, a decent portion of the race. I realize that some fell out, blah, blah, blah. But just the Mercedes were so strong. It was really looking like if you didn't have one, you weren't going to win And then we look at the top three and you go, Hey, that's actually kind of fun. We, we did, I mean, right winning with a Porsche. It's not a surprise. Mm -hmm. That team's excellent, but just, Hey, Magnus. (laughs) Wow. That's fantastic. Uh, Hey, uh, our team that might not fully understand, uh, uh, lead crossovers when you have cars pit and yours stays out for a little bit and is in the lead. And uh, Hey, you guys finished third, like. Uh, the right portion of the podium in GTD. I don't think that should be a surprise to anybody, whether they won or second or third, that's not a surprise. The rest of the podium, I love the fact that there was nothing predictable uh, in GTD as well, Graham. So I think in both ways, just wow. What are we talking about? We're talking about Elio and his amazing drive to hold off his former teammate, uh, the team that he drove for last year to win the race, hold, uh, held them off, got Marshank racing's first ever victory in DP, uh, DPI after being blank last year, pissed them off to no end. Elio, not like his drive at the end sealed it. Obviously Tom Blomquist and Ollie Jarvis and Pagano did their jobs, but we got two things to talk about GTD pro finish. Holy crap. And then Elio yeah. at 9,000 years old, climbing the fence, Meyer Racing winning on the tenth anniversary of their first, celebrating uh, the late Justin Wilson as well. Like this is fairy tale stuff. Period. End of story. The only class that didn't deliver in terms of excitement was LMP3. Uh, pretty much everybody was a lap down to the defending race winners at Seventy Four Ranch. The the Riley Motorsports team. I mean, they had that in the bag early. I sure hope someone remembers what my predictions were because I think, as promised, all five were wrong in who won. But uh, I will mention, I texted Steve Bortolotti, team manager of the FAF program, you know, congratulations on the win and whatnot. And he uh, responded because he listens to the show I'm like, thanks, but what the hell is up with you predicting Reese as the GTD Pro winner? And I'm like, dude, I'm sending you an invoice. I won the race for you. (laughs) Like everyone knows anyone I pick, it's the kiss of death. So I dude, you won solely because of my prediction. Kidding, obviously. But uh, yeah, so I guess if anything, apologies to those that I chose. But maybe that's a profit center for the show, Graham. We'll see how much everyone can pay out to get me to not choose them as the winners. That I think is how we're going to fund the show going forward.
1: Well, I can add to uh, the, the notes we just uh, made on the GTD-GTD Pro splits. And by the way, that split, which wasn't obvious in any way in the practice sessions, uh, stratified, there's that word oh, again. Oh, Jesus. But I did so beautifully pretty early in the race. Uh, so that did kind of come to pass as the, uh, the uh, non-pro drivers started those cars. And, and thanks, by the way, to additional questions from Matthew Lysons and from Andrew Baxter, uh, uh, at Baxter, uh, on that kind of front. Before we get into other stuff, let's have a quick chat about, well, the the outlier in GTD Pro and the new boy in GTD Pro. Let's start, Marshall, with some thoughts. Uh, Hiroshi Tishpandei. Uh, says uh, I, MP and GG. Do you expect BOP changes with the Corvette and BMW after both weren't much of a factor this weekend? We'll come to BMW second, but tell me, I'll give you you know a moment or two of uh, uh, my opinion about Corvette. But tell me your thoughts on Corvette's rather troubled Rolex Twenty Four. Bit surprised. <sighs>
0: Reliability has not been a big issue for them and seeing the AJ Foyt school of automotive mechanic, uh, mechanicdom being applied to, uh, one of the Corvettes that being, a long metal rod, large ass hammer and bang, bang, bang. Like, wow. I realize that sometimes that needs to be done. Just not that kind of of hammer strike approach that I recall in the garage with a, a Svelte beautiful Corvette C A R, now C8 G T D. Um yeah. Weird. I mean, you can I know we're sticking to a GT, but the the issues that plagued both BMW and Corvette, the Corvette side surprised me bmw not so much truly a brand new car um realize it's not the first endurance race it's ever done but at least it's the first one here um reminded me of of or reminiscent or similar graham to chip ganassi racing now known as cadillac racing where reliability wasn't really a thing that we saw with them last year being an issue why all of a sudden are we having, you know, what fuel pump on one side, I think it was alternator on the other, and uh, some other issues too. Uh, just garage time. That was mm-hmm. the story for Corvette. That was the story for Cadillac racing. Obviously also the story for BMW. The the M4 uh, GT3, the team admitted right up front, we don't have enough mileage with this. We're You sometimes hear commentators say, Uh, during say the roar uh, or if a team has an issue during the race early on and they miss however many laps you'll often hear folks say well it's now just become a test session for them it's rarely ever the case that that's just a nonsense statement they're there they've been paid to race by someone by a company or they have people driving the car who have paid they're out performing a service that they're contracted to do they're not out there testing In this case, it truly became a test for BMW throughout the roar and the amount of laps they were able to complete during the Rolex 24 due to a sheer lack of mileage with the car, knowledge with the car. This is one of the rare instances where you can say any additional laps they gained after adversity were done strictly to try and learn more about the thing, find more weaknesses, understand its behaviors. Uh, it's It's feeding and care document, <laughs> um, and that's what it was for them, but not a total surprise. If anything, Graham, I think it would have been a shock if both of the uh, M4 uh, GT3 cars with BMW team RLL finished without any problems, and I'm trying to think if I recall the Turner team got walloped, got hit, but I'm struggling to remember if they too had some uh, proverbial teething problems as well with their okay. brand new BMW.
1: They were certainly better on that front than the RL cars, and you know we, we move on from just that uh, to Matthew Licence and uh, who else there and Nicholas Nicholas who talks about the M4 um, and the rear diffuser with the car, which I think on right the first of the two cars went through both of its available rear diffusers. I come up with it's inside two or four hours um uh, that by the way was an issue for at least one of the three cars we saw in customer hands in the dubai 24 hours very different circuit of course so there's clearly an issue there um uh nicholas says is there a chronic issue with the undertrain diffuser how much wiggle room is there in the homologation to fix its attachment was the damage results of extreme setups and sort of down on top at uh, to, uh, top speed the answer is i think when you're dealing with uh Components flying off a car—that's <laughs> very, very likely to be seen as a safety-related issue—and I don't see that as being something that's beyond um, the changes of will be made. Yeah, it will be sorted. Uh, but it's certainly fair to say that at BMW Team rl post-race, there was uh, an air of extreme frustration with those cars. They're delighted to be racing this year, and that was by no means a foregone conclusion remember, with another year to go for the, uh, well, you can come to this, whether it's LMTH or GTP from this point forward, but, but uh, before the cars in the GTP class. Uh, but the, uh, the reality here is this did seem very on RLL-like and very rushed. Um, and I, I just don't think they've had the time with the cars. It's as simple as that. And coming in, as we've so often seen in EMSA uh, racing, uh, with the first race being a 24-hour race, it can catch teams out. For me, by the way, Corvette, the the, the major issue, other than the fact it wasn't reliable, is they're struggling on those tyres, and they're struggling badly on those tyres with that car. That was a car that was built and developed around Michelin's confidential rubber. They're now on the customer tyre. and Forget all the nonsense about BOP. That gets sorted after their first race in this trim. Um, there were two issues, as far as I could see, with that. One is, neither car had uh, anything close to a, a trouble-free run, and the other problem was, make no mistake, they're struggling on that rubber.
0: Yeah, and, and back to Hrishi's main question, I think Graham kind of flagged that here, but yes, I would expect some changes, but I don't know if those are going to be changes done solely on clean data received during the Rolex 24 versus having to, uh, I don't want to say make guesses because they don't just do that. But I think there's just going to be maybe a little bit more of an assumption here, assumption there on what might need to be tweaked when we get to Sebring uh, simply because, yes, I don't know if either model had enough uh, straightforward running to give IMSA full confidence they know where to place those models uh, among the others, once we get to uh, our favorite Floridian airport circuit. All right, what can I read to you here? Uh, Lance Snyder. Okay. <laughs> maybe we, uh, maybe this cracks open a little fun sidebar here. Uh, with the GTP class name returning, can we return Ooh. back to the glory days of IMSA with, uh, say, GTP Lights as a name for LMP2, uh, GTP Lights 3 for LMP3, uh gto for pro gto to replace gd gtdp and finally gtu gt under pro gtu uh to replace gtd and he says pro-am but uh yeah uh that's just part of imsa's naming confusions also how can i stop snickering whenever i see gtdp yes uh yes uh, I kind of do this, did the same thing, and I'm not totally sure why. Look, so, well, let me
1: so, give let me give you a couple of uh, answers to that one because I'm sure I'm sure there are things you want to say. The first thing is on the <laughs> GTP announcement, um, with one or two exceptions, almost universally praised as basically helping to relevantly brand uh, IMSA's top class prototype products. That is absolutely. Uh, worth saying in the room and in the conversations I had with teams with, which were Legion and uh, with fans uh, around the paddock, which were Legion. Um, the answer was that people really like it. There's one or two that you kind of think, well, you know, it's not the same. It's the difference between something that's very spec now and something that's fundamentally wasn't back in the day. I sort of get that, but to give the opportunity for a bit of differentiation between what the ACO are doing, what IMSA are doing, with broadly speaking, and in many cases, absolutely the same uh, cars, then I think that's a very, very smart move. On the GTD side, don't see them moving away from GTD and GTD Pro for some little time. Uh, The one addition I'll give you, and this was uh, the the story that uh, you commented on, and we then had... Uh, confirmation of its accuracy later which was the guy cosmo sort of things i uh, did see one internet wag putting out something which i thought was very good which was that was gtd on pro ah, yeah <laughs>
0: we'll just leave that so
1: there. what? Thi- what what's what say you about gtp i cannot
0: <laughs> i cannot
1: for a second think you're going to be anything other than wildly appreciative and supportive of, of that move, but uh, what, how's your week been on the uh, GTD okay. from?
0: Okay, I'm going to try and get up and off of this soapbox as quickly as I can and try not to use as loud a voice as I did in a phone call uh, an hour or two ago with someone from IMSA um, couple of things, no secret I've been pushing and suggesting IMSA to ditch the earmuffs, shitty LMDH name it's just dumb it doesn't roll off the tongue, as you've mentioned, Graham, countless times. The H was announced lowercase h with had no meaning, um, just ill fitting, meaningless, blah blah blah. New class, new era, new formula, new whatever. Let's do something that means something to us here in good old America and uh, harken back to GTP. Uh, pitch that to John Dunan in an interview six, seven, however many months ago. I'm not saying. They made the change because of me. I will say that I have been pretty consistent whenever the topics come up uh, over the past six or seven months. Say, hey, just an FYI, LMDH is still was, hot trash, was that, please.
1: Was that, was that consistent or insistent?
0: Consistent and insistent <laughs> um, and constipated. Uh, GTP, come on. And to the detractor's point, yeah, cannot argue the fact that uh, the GTP rules were fairly wide open. What we have coming with GTP is not the same, but it's pretty darn close. Uh, so I'm good with it, and I do see a good fit here. Nonetheless, got a communication this morning, and it was clearly that the person sending it was not sending it on their own, but was sending at the instruction of someone else. With a head, The headline of the email was GTP and LMDH. And in that email, a very belittling, dismissing, uh, tone taken trying to inform my ignorant self that IMSA has only changed the name of the class. Now, I guess if you want to be a real stickler for accuracy, you could say, well, the upcoming class has never had a name. Got it. I do know that when we get to 2023, we have a name right now. It's called DPI. There will be a change. Uh, when we get to 2023, there's going to be a new class name. So to me, there is a change. Whatever. If you want to say IMSA's never technically named the upcoming class until they went with GTP, got it. We'll stick with that. There we go. In what I've written and what I've said, what I've spoken here, what I've mentioned on social media, and what I will always do until there is another name change for the class, and cars, the and cars is the, the sticking point here, is referred to it as GTP. The email that I got this morning, again, dismissive, belittling. Hey, just in case you didn't get the press release about this, I've attached it at the bottom here for you to read, jackass kind of tone. Uh, Series wanted to inform me, Graham, that, damn it, there's a right way and a wrong way to present this, and you're doing it the wrong way. The class in 2023 is GTP. The cars are still LMDH. I started typing a response. And I decided I need to pick up the phone. Because these aren't the type of emails you want existing. <laughs> They'll come back at you at some point in time. You don't want to put that in print. I'll Pick up the phone and have the phone call or have the conversation directly. And just had to raise this topic. And maybe I'm being a pedantic a-hole. Whatever. It's fine. It's who I am, I guess. Let me be really clear. The current cars that compete. Called DPI. They're in a class. Called DPI. On the sides of those cars. Are stickers that say. DPI. Class DPI. The cars. Look at them. They have stickers that identify them as DPI. I'm not talking about homologation papers, Graham. I'm not talking about any, any of the minutiae, background stuff, organization level, uh, sanctioning body level. I All this is coming from a place of what you're presenting as a series and what fans are getting and understanding. You call the class this. The cars are named the same thing. You put stickers on them by rule. They got to put them there. Got it. What you want me to understand is when we get to 2023, you've named this class GTP. You were mandating these cars carry a brand new logo that says what on it? LMDH or GTP? The answer back from IMSA was... GTP, so class GTP on the cars. You're requiring them to carry branding that says GTP, but you want in what I write, what I speak, what I tweet, and everything else to refer to these cars as something different than what you here in North America alone, not internationally. You guys don't have the power to rename anything that the WEC uses, that the ACO mandates strictly. You have sent a message. You even came up with a brand new logo to call these LMDH cars that will be called LMDH in ACO slash FIWC competition. You've chosen to name them GTP, the class GTP, and put that name on the cars. And yet you feel the need to needle me that I you think I'm confused about what these cars are? Huh. What do you think your fans understand them to be? You've changed the name of the class, you're putting that name on the cars. What do you think the fans believe are going to be racing in IMSA next year? I don't care about WEC, don't care about Lama, not talking about anything else but here. Y'all made this change. Well, but they're still LMDH. <sighs> One more quick question here. So tell me what you understand what has happened. And I was told, direct words, well, this was not a rebranding exercise. And I'm
1: like, what? You have yes, it changed
0: was you the logo. It. You have <laughs> come up with a new brand identity. The old one had four letters, three of them all caps, one lowercase, case, and nobody really understood what the bleep it was. You've come up with a new one that's actually an old one. You've made it italics. You've genuinely changed the brand. And you're telling me you believe internally that the rest of the world says, oh, no, no, they just changed the name of the class, Marshall. Everyone gets, though, these cars are still LMDH. Then put LMDH on the side with a little in parentheses, you Pruitt you freaking moron right just to really seal the deal but that's not what you're doing so to close I just said look I can't tell you what to believe what world to live in what how you do or don't suspend your own beliefs but I can just tell you when you make a public announcement you've changed the name of the class or created the name tell, whatever you want to do, present that however you want in 2023 top class is GTP the cars competing in that class are going to have GTP on them. If you believe the world is tricking themselves into thinking, oh, but those are really secret LMDHs. Don't call those cars GTPs when they're in America. I, I, I'm tapping out. I got nothing for you. I don't care what they're called when they go to Lamont. They're going to be called LMDHs. Got it. Cool. Great. I don't care. Hey, you know what we've had for the last six, seven years, however long until it died? GTLM. Right? What yep. are they called by the ACO and WC? GTE. What did you guys decide to do? Call up GT Le Mans. What did you do? Well, you put GTLM on the sides. What have you referred to them as for the however long the class lasted? GTLM. What were they called when they went to France each year? GTE. Cool. Now you want me to propagate some sort of, no, but you got to call these cars LMDH, not GTP sports cars man the only place (laughs) you find this nonsense is sports cars uh you don't find it in any car f1 NASCAR. like it's this stuff that just makes me want to punch holes through walls but again it's amusement in theory uh so there you go um soapbox uh presented to you by Bushu's hammer emporium thank you the end
1: Fabulous. Reminds me, by the way, I'm trying to remember which of my uh, press room colleagues told me that uh, when they turned up at their Daytona hotel, there was literally a punch hole in every door in the room. Um, so that was, I don't know, maybe it's someone from the ACO. Uh, heard wow. about GDP? I don't know. But there you go. Um, let's move on a little bit. Um, quick one for Conor Hinkle. Is KCMG planning on any additional interruptings this season? The answer, my understanding is is no. Uh, Rolex 24 is part of uh, team owner Paulip's uh push. He wants to win the biggest races, and God bless him for that. Uh, you'll be hearing in the coming weeks about their uh, t- their main 2022 because I keep having to remind myself what year it is program. But I can tell you that programme will be principally based in Europe. Uh, But uh, sadly, we won't be seeing any more from that team in uh, the MSMETH Sports Guard Championship unless Paul got the taste for it uh, over the weekend. And let's face it, why the hell wouldn't he have done? Uh, So moving on, um, here's one for you Vincent1701. That's one hell of a surname. Uh, Was the question of who is better, Patricia or Ward? Or Colton Herter answered in Who Got the Last Driving Stint?
0: No, because that's there's no answer to that question. Not now. Uh, we're five to 10 years away from having that answer. And that answer is only going to be provided not with what they achieve uh, for fun at the Rolex 24, but oh, in. Oh, boy, did
1: they have fun. Boy, oh, did they have fun.
0: But in, yeah. Uh, Pato texted me this morning saying how much uh, my late colleague, Robin Miller would have loved their results. So mm. I thought that was sweet of him. Um, that'll be answered Vincent in about 10 years time when we see how the two stack up with IndyCar championships and Indy 500 wins. So, uh, but you know, what I would have loved to have seen was a two car Dayglow dragon speed LMP two, program with Pato in one and Colton in the other other fighting uh, for the win over the last hour. That would have been amazing.
1: Excellent stuff. What did you think?
0: Got- because there was some folks who thought some who thought that Colton's move was unfair or dangerous or something. What did you think of his move to uh if, rip the lead?
1: Well I think the the key to it is uh, you have to read what Louis Delatraz said after the Um, the race was over and I didn't get a chance to speak to Louis but I did speak to another significant member of the team he was being asked to massively fuel save at the end of that race so the lifts he was able to do to achieve that just left him as a sitting duck and I think Colton he's a racer Um, Did I say it has been unfair? No, I suspect he may have been a little surprised by just where the pace was disappearing in that car. Remember, they're in effectively identical cars, but they weren't being driven in remotely the same way because they were somewhere different in terms of that fuel strategy. So the answer is it's for the win. It's for the Rolex 24. It's the biggest race of the year in American sports car racing. And you're coming into... The final knockings of that, what do you expect, I think is the answer. I think, let's put it this way, it would be remarkably um, blinkered to praise what was going on in GTD Pro and criticise what went on in, in LMP2. It's for the same thing, and it was good to see the joy on the faces of the winners uh, at the end of that race. So, no, I'm, I'm reasonably happy with it. Um, you know, That is the sort of race it is. Um, I think uh, Louis Delatraz, I'm sure, if, uh, if if he was sitting here now, would say, yeah, firm. But ultimately, if that had been the other way around, I'm sure would have put one on Colton Herter just as hard and just as decisively. Um, we've got a number of questions, MP. I don't know if they want to go into this. What about the NBC TV broadcast? Matty McDonald, James Malloy, Caleb Whisp- uh, Whistler, Ryan Terpstra, who else? Uh, aduras? Uh, Dam uh, Woodrich, Word, uh, a quick look there. Amongst the ones going into a variety of um, critiques of the NBC broadcast, I saw some of the output. Didn't hear much of it. Um, did see uh, getting into the uh, late late evening. Uh, what I would describe as being a significantly too lingering a shot. Um, on Jimmy Johnson who was laps away from getting into the car but helmeted up and getting himself in the zone but that for me went on way too long while there was really good green flag action going on but I, I'm not a consumer of that product uh, McDonald, by the way says he's lost track of how many times he'd check on the race Especially peacock coverage overnight. Green flag. We spent five to seven minutes staring at Talking Heads. Uh, James says the NBC broadcast was brutal. Between NASCAR personalities clowning around to the full-screen interviews during live racing. Uh, Caleb Whistler, uh, fantastic Rolex 24 weekend. The only thing that would have made it better is Eurosport commentary. hashtag #Sarcasm. Crowd fantastic. Uh, Ron Turpstra said NBC broadcast substandard. For what he expected and Ed, what does Ed say, he asked the same question I did about commercial free question mark on Peacock, and Dan Woodrich says, uh, whilst watching 20 hours of the race, it was pretty clear NBC commentators were struggling with the difference in team names of GTD Pro and GTD. Uh, this is an interesting one. Could we not simply uh, simplify the process for the amateurs with something like GTP Oh, so it's GT Pro, not GTP Row and GT uh, GTP Pro Am or GTM. I think you've just experienced why they're not going to do that and be trying to get my head around that, Dan. But Yeah, you Dan, you're going to
0: get an email from IMSA, by the way. Come on, man. <laughs> figure out the class names, you big dummy.
1: No, no, the GT3, let's not go there. So you were a consumer of that product. What, what did you um, see and hear? That, uh, yeah, actually,
0: consumed, per, I think, almost all the race on uh, peacock went into this a bit in the weekend in indycar listener q a last night because no surprise a lot of questions from indycar fans who watched the race this was one of them about the, the coverage and such i did not dislike it uh the nascarization which uh which is a great question from somebody uh that nbc uh, likes to apply to major non nascar motor racing events i will say that is I get it. NASCAR is the most popular form of motor racing in the country. There's nothing even remotely close to it in terms of popularity. NBC broadcasts, I think it's 50-ish percent of the NASCAR races. The, the first, It starts off on Fox for the first half of the year, roughly. So I get why they bring in a big name like Dale Earnhardt Jr., uh, who I thought acquitted himself quite well. Uh, didn't look or feel or sound like an outsider really seemed to know, uh, a lot more than he has in the past. Uh, Jeff Burton, uh, you know, ex NASCAR driver, uh, he was the newbie. He was the aw shucks guy who knew nothing. And all his questions were some form of, I don't know anything about this specific thing. Could you tell me driver or guest or whomever? I actually thought that was a, went off fairly well for those who are newish uh, followers of sports car racing or or the Rolex 24. I would say those who are listening to the show right now don't fall into that category. So it probably got very tiresome very quickly, but, uh, the whole thing is about trying to bait the hook on the network or on the channel that has half of the NASCAR season and trying to bring in as many of those fans as possible by dangling Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Jeff Burton, Steve Letart, you know, some of their regular people and or famous Hall of Fame type people. Get it, not the first time, not the last time, yada, yada, yada. Can't disagree that if you are a hardcore lover of endurance racing, uh, you probably would prefer a uh, the the 24 Hours of Live Commentary Uh, via the WEC during the 24 hours of Le Mans, where you, no, granted, I know there's some changes, but whatever, know that a Graham Goodwin, a Martin Haven, run down the list, pit lane folks, all anoraks to the highest degree, know every single thing, every team name, how to pronounce all the drivers' names, where they come from, names of their dogs, just right, just institutional knowledge at every level. I know that for the hardcore sports car fan, That is more comfortable. Your people are talking right back at you, feeding you in-depth insight. I do at times wish that NASCAR was maybe on ABC uh, instead of NBC, because then we wouldn't have this. Then we would have, in theory, pretty much all hardcore presenters, pit lane reporters, and you name it. There'd be no nonsensical lowbrow try to appeal to the most widest and uneducated fan who's just here for a little bit of NASCAR flavor. But for whatever reason, that's a style. I didn't mind it so much this year, but last year I think in particular with the contractually obligated every 30-second mention of uh, reigning NASCAR champion Chase Elliott being in a car. Like that was just crazy over the top. Um, I don't know. I've, ha- I've seen it so many times, been part of one or two broadcasts back in the speed days when there was a heavy insertion of NASCAR stuff too. And I think I might just be a little more immune to this than others, Graham, because mm-hmm. I've experienced it so many times that it's, I'm less pissed off about it. But I, it, I don't discount or downplay any of our listeners or any just hardcore sports car fans in general who say, Hey man, uh, they got their race at Daytona in like a month or whenever it is. Why don't you leave those people for their race and give me our people for our race, but using our race just to try and serve up, uh, folks for theirs and to make this feel kind of like an early NASCAR race. I don't know if that is exactly the right direction to go here.
1: Okay. Well, let's move on. Uh yes. we've got a question. Yes, let's move on. And it's a Gustavo Bamba question, which talks about the recent four GT three announcement. We'll have a quick chat about that. Plans from the red car on tour. Not quite sure that right. Is it, it says is full GT conversion still on the table? Will Ferrari and Porsche lighten their pretensions? Well, uh, on conversion, uh, convergence, uh, the answer is we don't yet know exactly what it is that the ACO will do for the FIWC uh, from 2024. So at the moment, just to be clear, uh, GTD and GTD Pro, based obviously on FIGT, three homologated cars, is... Is set in place now, set in stone, and I think we would agree, MP, that that was a success. Um, The ACO carry on this year with GTE Pro and GTE Am for this coming season, starting at Sebring in March. In fact, now we can say next month. Um, GTE Pro has its final season in 2022 so next year 2023 season there will be gte am only 2024 will see that pro-am class because they are still uh sticking to the guns to say that uh, they will be staying with a pro-am formula only in the fiwec and therefore you can presume at le mans 24 hours as well um will be based on uh, gt3 Um, and will be Pro-Am only. There continues to be a strand of thought that there might be some form of Le Mans aero package for those cars. Um, uh, Whether that's for Le Mans only, or whether or not that is for the WEC season, I do not know. They are pretty tight-lipped about it. They've got their hands full with Hypercar, um, and with other matters. So, That's where we stand. Full GT convergence. So I suppose you could say yes in that if you've got a GT3 car, you would presume that will be convertible to go and race in whatever form, whether it's BOP governed, whether it's bodywork governed uh, at Le Mans and in some WEC races. But will the cars be in exactly the same trim? I think the answer is probably no. Uh, But then again, the cars don't necessarily, well the LMP2 cars for instance, which are exactly relevant in this case, don't race in the same trim in the WEC either. And in fact, they don't race in the same trim in the WEC and the LMS, uh, because they have different bodywork. So it it as for full convergence, depends on your your um, definition of full. Same car? Yes. Exactly the same car. No.
0: There we go. Uh let's see. Seamus Cunningham. As much as I enjoy the final final hour uh, Due to everyone being on the lead lap at the end of the race. I really found it removed the drama from any of the preceding preceding twenty three hours. Do you think they should institute a maximum wave around rule? Maybe uh two per race or something like that. I gotta I gotta tell you, Seamus, I, I was thinking a little bit of the same thing at some point as well. I appreciate how we do things in American racing terms of wave arounds under cautions and cars that are lap down, again based on where they're at, can uh possibly go uh, around and get their lap back i hate the fact that at the 24 hours of Le Mans, seemingly with the cars being as reliable as they are any minor issue it seems like anything that might send you to pit lane uh, for an unscheduled visit again generalizing but seemingly locks you into your fate until the uh the, the checkered flag any minor issue your day is done to me it creates almost the opposite where you go, good lord! If you got a problem in hour four, and you got to spend a minute on pit lane or two, maybe you don't lose a lap, but it's more than likely you're going to race for the next twenty hours or however many it is, and come home two minutes down and have a, a horrible finishing position. It's almost there's almost no reason to keep following those cars if and when they have issues at Le Mans. So I find. I hate Le Mans' approach to that because it removes any drama, uh, any hope. Flip side, I got to agree. Uh, I do wonder if there's some sort of like, hey, yeah, you get two wave arounds, the two possibilities uh, of this per race, per entry. But if you've gone down four or five laps, some did three, four, five laps and happened early and they're able to work the cautions, Graham, and get those laps back. I gotta gotta say well-spotted Seamus because this did seem just like you're mentioning. Like, Whereas any minor issue at Le Mans seems to kill the race for that car for the rest of it, at the 24 hours here, the Rolex 24, it seems like almost doesn't matter if you have an issue as long as it doesn't involve having to go back to the garage. You can have almost any issue and it not affect your ability to get back on the lead lap and race for the win. So... I love this idea, uh, Dan Worderich Of the a couple of questions you sent in, said regarding the cold tire issues, NBC couldn't help themselves mentioning it every forty-five seconds. Uh, I know IMSA doesn't allow tire warmers, but uh, couldn't teams just accidentally say leave a coat on the tires?
1: You they know, leave out the sunshine. They did leave out the sunshine.
0: Yeah, 100- yeah. There was that. Uh, that plan didn't work as well uh starting at about 7 p.m saturday
1: night i think uh 6 30 no, or 7 that, p.m but that was what that was the band of floor in that plan there we
0: go um the imsa clarified saying no you can't take them back to the transporter the well-heated transporter for example they have to live in their quote natural environment basically saying look you know if you want to put them outside that's fine that's ambient but uh you can't do anything else to them i do have to wonder uh, and that's Larry Foyt calling on the other line, I, or on the same line. I will have to call him once we're done here. Um, hey, teams also try and stay warm inside the tents during the race. You don't tend not to see, like, the big kerosene heaters being fired off, Graham, because the smoke and the, you know, you don't want to yep. kill everybody, uh, poison everybody and kill them. But, you know, th- there's, whether it's electric blankets being used by folks standing near the tires. Like, all I'm saying is this. I get the, we don't want you to really manipulate the tires artificially. (sighs) I just got to believe that you could probably make sure they were slightly toastier uh, than they would be just by having various warming devices near them, people with warming devices near them. Um, How's this? One thing, if I'm I'm someone trying to do something vaguely smart along these lines, uh, hey, it wouldn't look strange if someone took one of the big packing blankets, right, Graham, and threw it on top of a stack of tires. Well, if at the bottom of those tires on the ground you had three or four of those the uh little nuclear hand warmers the ones you pull out a little pack and once uh you know uh, air hits them they come up to some sort of really nice high temperature that you put in your pockets or whatever to keep your hands warm like you know gee what if a couple of those fell on the ground beneath the tire at the bottom of the stack and you uh packing blanket accidentally fell on the top of that stack of tires and in theory you've got the little furnace type thing going on inside that's not obvious for anyone to see and that packing blanket doesn't look out of place gee i don't know only question i have is all the tires all the wheels i should say have uh tms systems mounted tire monitoring systems they will measure temperature and pressure most of those are dead and and inactive until motion happens Usually in their triggers, I believe that you can program them into have. So once they see movement in terms of rolling or otherwise, um, they should not be, you know, transmitting. Knowing that IMSA is monitoring tire pressures and in f- taking this from the TMS systems, knowing that they're really monitoring them hard this year, Graham at the Rolex Twenty Four. In theory, they'd be able to take temperature off of those too. And if someone really wanted to get into uh, their business, they might be able to get a look and see that, hey, those wheels and tires just went on the car, and hey, they're now up to this temp. But what temp were they when they went on the car? Hey, that's like 50 degrees higher than everyone else. So, again, a question mark of triggering and when they come on and what IMSA could see, but... You know, you might not even be able to do my little hand warmer and, and packing blanket routine. Uh, but, hey, you're always looking for ways to get around stupid stuff I th- like
1: this. I think, I think the answer is pretty clear. It's just by the warmth of the team owner's personality, uh, generally being just in their general orbit. Let's move on, mate. Let's go with uh, Bar, tice Barrett. Thijs Barrett. Yes, I
0: yes, recently tice learned tice how to pronounce his name correctly. I
1: don't feel Sorry, as tice. dumb as I normally do. What a boring race, he said. Can't we just have a full season with good races that a 2013 Six Hours of Fuji? If the re- a season has races like Daytona, I'm afraid I'll have to stop watching IMSA and maybe even WEC. We'll miss you.
0: No. We will miss you. No, this is, I've uh, been, been saving this one. <laughs> Total agreement with Tice. Sadly, I'm announcing the end of the weekend sports car show right here because I'm with him. It's terrible. Okay. Yeah. The race was
1: so bad. I'll say no more from this point.
0: I've decided we can no longer do this because sports car racing has been ruined. Kidding aside, uh, Tice Berendrick. Yes. Thank you, Tice. Greatly appreciated. Maddie McDonald says, when is IMSA going to update their awful app? Well, the answer to that is Maddie, they actually updated it three years ago, but it's so damn awful. It hasn't fully populated and uh, rebooted itself. So is there still an IMSA app? I don't know. I haven't used it. I don't use it. Uh, yeah. Thanks by the way, Maddie. Uh, appreciate you. Um, what else can I read to you here? Is this Graham? You're going to have to make the call. Is this just an all IMSA episode? Do we save some of the okay, others for think- next week?
1: I think we probably do save some of the others, so, so we will just carry the ones over that you've sent to us. I know that uh, today, for instance, and I've not had a chance to get to it through uh, extreme exhaustion, um, but uh, we've had the uh, WC entry list for Sebring as well as the full season stuff, so with things like Sebastian Ogier, etc. we will carry those over to next week.
0: Is stream okay. exhaustion like when you just know you're, you're, you can't go
1: tinkle anymore?
0: Or uh, the, extreme I, I, exhaustion. I'm sorry. Extreme exhaustion. Uh, if I, the at
1: first 57 years old and on medication, uh, I'm afraid the former is quite the opposite of uh, of my current pre- uh, physical predicaments. But um Kaikeeper yeah.
0: at Kaikeeper k i i k e e p r asks why Audi uh, customer racing programs weren't running. <sighs> You want to take that or you want me to? I think I took that one recently, you but
1: uh, do you want to just answer it quickly? Uh, nobody uh, likes Audi customer- North, North America discuss.
0: Yes. Oh. Um, it, how's this? I saw a post game segment last night after my hometown, home, whatever, Golden State Warriors NBA team played the Houston Rockets in Houston, beat them. During this post-game segment, they had a little food-tasting uh, moment. And it was replicating a hot dog that apparently was shown during the broadcast as being sold and consumed by somebody in the stands. So apparently at the Houston Rockets Dome or Arena, whatever the, they call it, they sell a hot dog with a bun. Right. And around on and between the hot dog and the bun, they placed macaroni and cheese. Right. And I'm trying to remember the cereal. I'm having to type this cereal. up. Cereal. Um yes. Uh macaroni
1: cheese. Hot dog
0: Macaroni and cereals? Cheese and I'm finding and Fruit Credit Loops. Wheat? no fruit loops what What? so it was a hot dog loaded with macaroni and cheese and fruit loops and wanting to keep in mind the the gold state warriors broadcast host and whatnot are in the bay area they've been travel so the production folks replicated one of those hot dogs quickly uh, as fast as they could to have one of the hosts try it because it became an obvious topic of discussion during the broadcast and he took a bite, hot dog, bun, macaroni, and cheese, and Fruit Loops, chewed it maybe three times, looked up like someone had stuck a cattle prod up his backside, and one of his broadcast co-hosts handed him a garbage uh, bin quickly for him to, I don't know if he spit it out or threw it up, but it appeared to be one of the most disgusting things on the menu. You think? They then pontificated (laughs) as to how many they thought the Houston Rockets arena sold of this special custom hot dog, to which they said, no more than five. I bring this up because at least for what has developed in IMSA, in GTD, with the Audi R8 LMS, Evo, whatever. Two. Two. It's become the macaroni and cheese, and Fruit Loop hot dog of GT3 offerings. So doesn't mean it's not a good car to some. It just means that in particular, the folks uh, selling it or offering it or supporting it have not uh, created a reputation of excellence for folks to want to take a bite into it anymore. So um, I don't know how I managed to insert a mac and cheese fruit loop hot dog reference into a question about audi and gt3 but it was just done uh you want to take us home graham (laughs) i feel like we should stop after that because it's only going to get worse
1: we'll we'll stop at this point thanks so much for so many questions uh this week that's been about an hour now for the week in sports cars this week and before i fall face first onto my keyboard um we will say good night we'll say thanks Again, as always, to keep to the Justice Brothers and to torontomotorsports.com. Uh, thanks, of course, to you, Marshall, and to uh, uh, excuse me, and to Daniel Summerskill for again putting these questions together in very quick order. We'll be back next week. Remains to be seen in timing whether or not that will be me uh, here in the UK or me by that stage on the next of my adventures with the start of the on the Mans series, uh, where again I'll be on TV duties. With you'll remember him, tall bloke used to drive a Corvette. Can't remember his name immediately. That's the guy, Oliver Gavin.
0: Ron uh, Fellows.
1: We'll,
0: <laughs> we'll be starting.
1: We'll be starting off uh, with that adventure next week, and the week in sports cars. My guess is we'll be coming uh, for the second time in the recent weeks from Dubai, and then the following week from Abu Dhabi. Um, this has been the week in sports cars part of the Marshall Pruitt podcast I've been Grave Goodwin he's been Marshall Pruitt we'll speak to you next week good night